Hello and welcome to the Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So today I am delighted to be joined by Isla McLeod, who wrote a book, Rituals for Life. And when I saw this book, I contacted her and was like, can I chat with you on my podcast? Because when I went through your social media, <clears throat> sorry, your Instagram page, I was like, these are all of the things that I love talking about. And she was gracious enough to say yes. So welcome. I'm delighted that you're here. Thank you, Rebecca. It's lovely to be here on this cold day around this virtual hearth. <laughs> yes, I'm looking out and we have snow right now. So that's that's quite magical. It feels, there's something about snow, isn't there? It makes it feel very, the sound changes and everything feels much cosier and closer and calmer. I love it. So talk to me then. You're very much about restoring the sacred in life, working through rituals, connecting with nature and the land. What drew you into your line of work? Was it something that you were born into or something that you kind of found as you moved through life? Well, I feel that there's often these ways come from some probably past lives because it feels like my whole life from the beginning was sort of woven to this point to lead me to this work. It wasn't that I was born into any family with particular faith or ritual traditions. And yet there was always this longing in me for looking for the sacred, like looking for where there was meaning in life, asking the bigger questions, why are we here? And I did have the opportunity to live in some very diverse cultures as I grew up. And that was something very informative in seeing how we can cultivate in the everyday tending to the sacred, whether that's honouring of our ancestors or calling forth mm. the gods of the elements, you know, of the ocean. I lived in Nigeria for a time and I remember writing on my journal, which was from about eight onwards, to these imaginary gods of the ocean. And I think in Nigeria, the tradition, the Yoruba tradition, they have all these incredible deities honouring the different forces of nature. And I think I was just very curious and playful and started creating imaginary mm. realms, really, and used to doodle all these strange kind of alchemical symbols on notebooks and coiled serpents. So there was something already working on me from a very young age. And it was, you know, a conventional-ish upbringing that meant I found myself apart from that sense of the sacred. And in that, I found myself very lost and questioning being offered to me as the path of life you know coming out of university and so I just dug deeper and I had to go to a place of, of inner struggle to find that place sort of a dark night of the soul and that was what really took me to those edges of asking where is there meaning in this life what I'm being presented doesn't offer me any sense of soulful um, engagement with what is possible and what I believe is the potential of us as humans. So it was quite a pe- playful beginning, really, of just being out with tree beings, particularly, and being out in wild places and feeling some inspiration come through that asked me to do something or to pray or um, leave an offering. And this wasn't familiar to me, so it did at first feel a little bit strange. But the more I did it, the closer I felt in relationship to the natural world and that I was healing some sense of the separation within me and my soul and so it was a a sort of Mm. dance really of questioning and and picking different threads from different cultures and a couple of key humans that I met along the way that I think opened up doorways as well for me to see things a bit differently 
So a nice kind of soup of all sorts of all sorts of things, ingredients. <laughs> weaving weaving the threads. <laughs> yeah. So you said that was eight, I think, wasn't it? When you first mm-hmm. started that, when you were overseas, and then how did that? How did that stay with you throughout, like the normalcy of like a air quotes regular kind of upbringing where you went to like the school and then you mentioned university and then the dark night of the soul after university but did that kind of stay with you did that playfulness just stay throughout like the education or did it ebb and flow was it encouraged at all by family schooling Hmm. well it didn't stay particularly in my adolescence I remember feeling that I was taken down the path of, I suppose, what's quite common when you feel a bit lost of, of, towards more hedonism. Mm. Um, I, I kept some things such as journaling. That has been a really present thread of me working through bigger questions in my life yeah. and exploring my inner realm. And I had a Buddha from a very young age who I would often sit with and like incense and I suppose meditate in some innocent way. But the initial explorations of more ritual sort of um, beings that I collected from particularly Nigeria that I had when I started boarding school at eight, I did create some attempt of ritual with them. Mm. But I think very quickly realized it wasn't the norm and it wasn't encouraged and I didn't have any elders or allies that were kind of guiding me in those realms. So it was, I think, between about 10 and my early 20s that I felt quite apart from any spiritual path or tradition or a life of ritual. Um, Although I was, I think, always tending, as I said, to this question of what gives humans meaning. And I actually devoted myself to photography for a time. And in that, Mm. I think, was always wanting to bear witness to humans and and, and what it is that, well, how we express ourselves. And I'd often do reportage photography. So I'd be sitting in places just watching and listening and observing. And seeing whether there were those magical moments of connection between strangers or imagining what somebody was thinking just by sitting on the bus with a very you know sad face mm. something of, of seeking that connection with others enabled me to find some meaning in my way of just feeling like there's a there's a bridge that we can make with each other and i found eventually a way of becoming the bridge of, of offering a pathway for myself and hopefully to guide others on this way of reconnecting to a sense of the sacred. Mm. Do you feel that was the answer to the question you were looking for? That connection with self or the connection connection with the sacred? Mm. I feel there's probably never a, a solid or permanent answer to the to these bigger questions, but it certainly for now feels like that for me is what brings meaning to my life. It mm. brings soul to my life. It brings a sense of gratitude of, you know, there's there's this potential to be playful with this gift of life that we don't have to accept the norm and the ways that we're presented of how we should live our lives, that actually we can really engage and co-create and and make a life that is beautiful and meaningful to us. And that would look different for everyone. But I think for most of us over the last few years, but just in the modern times that we're in, not having um, spiritual traditions so present, not having the community around the church or not having those places where we come together to explore these bigger questions and to connect with something beyond ourselves 
has meant that we're all feeling very severed from our roots mm. in the sense of being quite fragmented that we don't really take time to really sit with ourselves and it's you know talking about listening like how do we really listen to what is wanting to arise within us that there is this opportunity in life to attend to what is seeking expression through us and for me it feels like this is my um my way of, of, of finding that is that I can create a life that is adorned and imbued and enriched with this sense of the sacred and that gives me meaning and it gives me hope mm. and it gives me purpose but I imagine it would look different for, for other people but there's something of needing a spiritual reformation reformation revolution where we can find ways of connecting with these forces beyond us with with nature with our own sense of what it is to, to be alive and to die all those questions that were served by religion in the past, we don't really have the form for anymore to engage with. So I feel that that's something that's really being asked of us at this time of how we mm. create new spiritual traditions and ways of coming together to serve the greater needs of humanity and yeah. the earth. I, I love that you use the term adorned, adorning your life with this. I'm like, oh, that just feels so glorious. Um, but I want to go back to something you said, and I think it's, um, was something I, I feel is very important and you've written an entire book about it so rituals for life so I think that you feel it important too but you mentioned about <clears throat> when we went into lockdown mm. and I remember thinking then it's at that moment when people realised they'd lost connection with something not so much bigger than themselves but where ritual was really important mm. and I understand why people have stepped away from religion oh my goodness absolutely I do like traditional religion but it does bring essential ritual. It's like in hard times, I always think about like when I grew up in Cornwall and like the the years and generations before me, if someone got lost at sea or if there was, you know, if there was some disaster that had struck the community, they would know what to do. They would go and gather in community. They would sing their songs. They would say their prayers. They would use the rosary, you know, whatever they were choosing to do. There would be something that gave them a sense of okay this is what we do next mm -hmm. and it was like that place to surrender into and feel safe of course you know it, it you don't know what the outcome was going to be but it mm -hmm. gave you a sense of purpose and faith and handing it over to something bigger than yourself so you weren't just sat there being anxious wondering what to do next it's like oh what we do is we sing the song we say the prayer we you know do the thing so and obviously a lot of people are now they've stepped away from traditional religion but they've not replaced or they've replaced it other things aren't aren't helpful but you know they've not replaced it with that sense of meaning and purpose which was like the original idea of religion so where do you see that that idea of like ritual coming back into our lives to to bring that sense of connection i suppose mm. Well, the book is really an invitation for exactly that, of how can we begin to cultivate a path of ritual or ceremony of, of honouring those meaningful moments and holding space for ourselves through these times of challenge and times of celebration without having the prescribed forms, as you've described, that we used to have. Like, what can that look like? And I think in this idea of a sort of spiritual revolution, we are being asked to reimagine and re-enchant the world and and also recognize that we don't need an intermediary we don't need somebody to tell us how to do these things mm. obviously if there are lineages unbroken that can hand down that knowledge and 
thank goodness there are still those cultures thriving in some places that can carry the seeds of that wisdom and those ceremonies. But for the rest of us, for me, it's been about going to the source. So going to nature to ask, how can I best honour this moment in my life? Or how can I best serve my community to support them through this challenge? That actually, in my imagination, I believe that those wise folk of old would have imbued the land with their stories and their songs through their ceremonies. And we can sort of just change the frequency on our in a radio station to listen into that. And it might not be a clear, you do this and you do that and mm. that's time, but you might just get a flicker of inspiration or you might gather with your sisters and, and, and talk around what would it look like to hold this ceremony for us, for instance, as we cross the threshold into menopause. We don't have the forms for that, sadly, anymore, but there's something really in the ethers. Uh, I'm reading Sharon Blackie's book, Haggitude, at the moment. Oh, she's fantastic, isn't she? Wonderful book. Yeah. And I'm just feeling all this aliveness of inspiration about what would an amazing ceremony look like to honour women across that threshold and coming together to share ideas around that. And in the in my book, I, I suggest a way that can be really accessible without any dogma of how you can create a ceremony to make sure that it's balanced in terms of honouring the different elements and mm. so really cultivating the most um, sort of fertile ground for the seeds of your intention to grow. And it is as simple as firstly having an intention and that's the breath of air. So we, we speak our intention, we infuse the space with that. And then once the space is open, you have this opportunity for creativity and that can be just in the moment, listening in what feels ripe to create. It might be that you've gathered some crafty things together. It might be that you're outdoors and feel to make some kind of earth offering. So there's something in that that you're co-creating with the natural energies, with, with spirit, with the mystery. And then to offer gratitude is the third seed of this. Like, how can we really give back in reciprocity to that which feeds us? And to close any ritual... I offer um, this way of spreading the the good, the goodness, the juiciness that's been created by offering up kindness. And that could be some kind of offering of bird seed to the land. It might be just speaking your wish that all those also potentially, I don't know if you're doing a grief ritual, for instance, something of really wishing all those in the world that are present with their grief also receive the blessings of the ceremony. Mm. We've got this... <clears throat> Oh, and, and I'll, they're all connected with the elements. So your creativity is connected with fire, gratitude is connected with water, and kindness is connected with earth. So just by honouring those four seeds in any ritual, you've created a space which is really open and playful for your interpretation and could look like anything, um, but that you have some simple formula for those of us that like a, a sense of things, of, of how it might look, um, support you in that. A little bit of structure, <laughs> but very loose structure. And I, I, I think it's so so important, you know, talking about menopause. Um, I, I did a whole podcast on this, but I had to have a full hysterectomy um, this year. <laughs> Gosh, I'm like, when when was it? And I did a whole ceremony and ritual for myself. And the surgery was a breeze. I was home the next day. I never had any dramas or any healing 
it difficulties and it was like straight back almost obviously I rested and I looked after myself and all of those things but I really do think because afterwards I heard so many horror stories of what people had gone through but I really do think that for me it was the, the whole honoring of the process because first of all I was like I'm not having a history how dare you I'm not becoming another statistic and then I actually tuned into my body I gave myself ceremony I did all these things I planted a tree um and it was just like everything just aligned and it just became so much easier because I had a place to channel that energy. I had a place to give gratitude for all that my woomy stuff had done. And I had a, a place to like release all of the energetic and other stuff that kind of goes with that. And it was, it just felt like such a pivotal moment for me personally. I mean, obviously, you know, people have to do their own thing, but it was just, it felt really important for me to honor that transition and it you know i shared in the podcast about loads of other things that had gone with that too but it i don't know that that rites of passage i don't think we're so good at honoring the rites of passage whether it's a woman's first bleed whether it's you know a pregnancy a birthing you know we can do all the oh let's have a baby shower but i, I think it misses that depth sometimes mm -hmm. but you, you do a lot of um rites of passage work don't you how did that come about for you or how, where do you see its place in society? Oh, I think it's one of the vital missing links in, mm. in certainly in Western culture. And as you say, like there's something that enables us to process the changes. If we hold that space for ourselves through transitions, we're able to you know, gather all of the insights or the gifts from the past and acknowledge mm. what we're letting go of and, and give thanks for that. And then you go into this liminal cocoon phase within a rite of passage, which is when you're essentially kind of remade or transformed mm. through that change intentionally so that you can really step into the next phase of your life with some awareness of what you're bringing in, of what you, of sort of which way you want to direct your compass and gather all those forces, you know, as you say, of the natural beings and those before you that have had a hysterectomy. I always find with rites of passage, acknowledging that there are those for instance, for a birthing mother, all those women mm. have birthed life before are standing behind you, holding you across this threshold. So it really empowers us to, to live life more consciously and creatively. And I think it was really through the absence of, of those honorings in my life, certainly nothing around my menarche or moving into adulthood, that by the time I was approaching my 28th birthday, I was at that time living um, in a beautiful year in, in some woodlands on my own and felt uh, called to undertake an initiation with the yew tree which culminated on my 28th birthday and that's a, a sort of something around the Saturn returns which I didn't really understand mm. but recognizing there was this opportunity for sort of a death rebirth portal <clears throat> and I, I had the yew tree as my guide but I didn't have the elders and I didn't have the village to welcome me back. It was a very solitary journey, but it served a vital pur you know, purpose for me of acknowledging a, a, a shift into adulthood in a good way that mm. I'd been thinking through very misconstrued ways up to that point and wasn't feeling met or that I kind of intentionally welcomed myself into my adulthood. So through that and since I've just felt that whenever I can hold that space for myself I'm trying out new ideas when I feel that there's been a shift in my life birthing a book this year was a big rite of passage for me 
and holding others through those transitions and it might be a significant birthday or something as you described of some kind of surgery that involves some kind of body change children leaving home a divorce there's so many times in our lives that we're experiencing a sort of mini death and some portal of transformation and it's an invitation I think to in those moments either cultivate something just for yourself to really empower yourself or to gather your community and to support you and to help bear witness to the change that you're going through so that they know too that you've undergone some kind of journey and they want you know there to welcome you back to celebrate what you've achieved to celebrate the journey that you've made and I think in doing so it really allows us to come into wholeness in a greater way that we really also acknowledge that we are empowered to co-create our life we're not at the mercy of all these changes you know often mm. we feel like oh why is this happening to me oh this has gone wrong when actually life is beckoning you to see that there's another path to take and if we have a ritual or ceremony around those portals then it's something we can do more intentionally and I love that you mentioned um things like health and divorce because mm-hmm. they happen in our world you know relationship break doesn't have to be divorce you know any kind of relationship breakdown or I don't know the loss of a job that's had great meaning to you for whatever reason and we just carry on <laughs> it's like oh I'm getting divorced and I'm still doing all the things mm-hmm. and it's like even if you were the person that chose to have that relationship like end it's like there's still a grief to honour because you're there's a grief of the life that was never going to come to, that when you had that relationship, you're like, oh, this is going to be my future. And even if you decided that's not the future you wanted, I feel there's still a, like we still have to honour that grief for the life never had or whether it's like a significant birthday or what whatever it is. And I think we just carry on as usual. We just, we just think, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that happens before or loads of people have gone through this before, but it's still significant for that person. And I think when we can bring in those rites of passage or like say bearing witness even to ourselves and allowing ourselves to sit in the discomfort, there's so much magic and intentionality that can come from that. And yet we just carry on. Mm. Um, I love that you use the yew tree. I, I'm obsessed by trees and I always say if I had a favourite, it would be the yew tree. And I had to, and you you kind of answered a question that I've been wondering for years now, because I have these trees call me to go and travel to them. <laughs> I, I travel hours to go and visit them. Like people would, uh, you know, a cathedral or a theme park. And I go on these like journeys all over the UK to go and visit these trees. And I kept thinking, why, why do they keep calling me? And I guess kept, all I kept hearing was like, oh, it's a piece of a puzzle being given to you. And I was like, mm. But to do what with? But you just said earlier, it's like, oh, we get from the land. It's like picking up the energy of like the land gone before or the songs mm-hmm. or the, and I'm like, oh, that resonates then. <laughs> it is because it's, there was, and like I was saying before the call, it's like, I love where I live because the land feels so ancient. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when I look through my path, it's always been the ancient energies that have called me, um, like that real depth of energy. So what was, what, was your catalyst I suppose to go down this path and share that knowledge that you had been like having for yourself to bring that back to the world what is what is your what yeah what was your calling or what's your reason behind that mm. well, that's an interesting question well the you was quite integral in it mm. in many ways um and also having a son 
because I was, as I said, living in these woods, and I think I would have very happily just continued the rest of my life as a woodland hermit, just pinning <laughs> in my ways of apprenticeship to nature. Um, but the yew tree, that initiation I undertook, also involved travelling around the British Isles to go to visit ancient yew trees. And <laughs> interesting you hear your reflection on that, because there's something of where these trees, for particular ancient yew trees, are rooted, they are carrying exactly the sort of the memories often of, of, of mm. tribal elders and chieftains that would have been buried under some of them, or they were places of council where those ways would have been imbued in, in the energy of the tree. <laughs> and we're like these sort of mobile, I don't know, vessels where we can go and plug into these places and almost sort of invigorate them with, with mm. what we bring, but also then we receive from them. And I think something around this sort of idea of an earth grid where there are all these portals around the world held by the tree beings that we're able to kind of weave together through our visiting, through our pilgrimage is is something for me of a really beautiful way of acknowledging how we can be of service at this time. Mm. And I felt that was really my way that I would just stay doing the kind of underground work of earth healing and just very happy in that but when my son was born I left the woods to be closer to my family and I'd also had an experience it was a shamanic journey actually where I was in this imaginary realm seeing myself as an old lady looking into this woodland spring and seeing how I'd grown old and there was this sense of a life wasted that in fact I hadn't been mm. able to imbue or, or share everything that I had learned and been gifted from the natural world with others. And yeah, some other things happened on the journey that were quite difficult to, to, to feel. And there was this feeling of, I guess, a sort of fire blazing in me of, of courage that actually I had to step out of what felt like the safe place of the woods to be able to be in service. And I had prior to that made a commitment on a hill after an awakening of sorts that I wanted to be in service to spirit in some way and I'm constantly asking how that might look in this modern day and age and sometimes I don't like the answer because <laughs> often it involves being more visible and more outward when mm. I think by nature I quite enjoy being solitary and sort of beneath the radar um, but every time I do step out I feel how held and supported I am and that what I have to share is received well and, and offering others some inspiration and good food which is all I could ask for so there's something of needing to hold both my needs of also solitude is where I can deepen in my understanding and delve beyond the veil and allow the sort of creative longings to be fed and met but if we're doing all of that it, it, it for me feels a little bit I suppose a bit selfish a bit self-serving that I've gifted, been given all of this inspiration and opportunities so for me to give back is what life really is about how can I be in reciprocity and if anything mm. that I can uh, offer in terms of what I've learned is supporting others then that really feels like it's again a sense of purpose of, of why I'm here. If you could choose one thing for somebody to start doing, as in, you know, to find that depth or to have that connection with themselves or the land around them, 
Where would you recommend somebody start? Because I know there's like, like you said, there's like many strands to that. And sometimes it's forced upon us. Like, you know, there's a surgery, there's a relationship breakdown, there's a change in the circumstance, like the children leaving home. So some of that is like, we don't get to choose that. But I often feel it's like, instead of reacting to life, if we can start responding, so we can put the things in place so that when things happen, we have that almost like that inner resilience or strength to draw upon that just like that we can stay centered and grounded within ourselves when we're met by you know waves arms everywhere life um it's like what what's that one thing that you think is really fundamental for people to start nurturing within themselves on their own path so that they can build that kind of resourcefulness within themselves Can I say two things that are coming to mind? Yeah, say as many as you like. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing I would offer is to begin really observing the natural cycles of the sun. So we've got in this Celtic tradition, there are these eight gateways through the wheel of the year. You've got the solstices, the equinoxes and these four fire festivals. Mm. But then within that, every month, you've got the lunar cycle. And just whether that's literally just, you know, acknowledging, okay, it's a new moon tonight, and maybe just thinking what your intentions might be, or on the full moon, having a moment just to celebrate anything that you've overcome or anything that you've achieved in the last few weeks since the new moon. And then through the solar year, seeing how those shifts in the seasons acknowledge that there are these transitions that the natural world goes through. And in doing that, observing these cycles, we recognise, hopefully, in, in, in that we are woven completely with nature, that we also experience these cycles. And I think that then enables us to be more in trust of those changes that come in our life. So things that are unexpected, as you share, like to realise that there are con- constant beginnings and endings. And mm-hmm. How can we make space for that more regularly when it's not happening to us unintentionally but actually okay it's we're moving now from autumn to winter say and how can we make space for what's changing what am I letting go of as I move into the sort of winter dreaming cave so that would be one invitation just to really support that acceptance of change also connecting more deeply with the natural world and just being in relationship with it in a more intimate way but the other I feel is really vital is to have somewhere near your home preferably you know in your garden if you've got a space that is like an an anchor point for you sort of like I call it a sweet spot and mine's a chestnut tree in my garden and it's a place Mm. for you to regularly attend and to cultivate a relationship with if it's a tree which I mean tree water any element where you feel connected and inspired by to spend time with them, you know, even if it's a couple of minutes a day, maybe you take some bird seed there every morning, or maybe you just go up and place your hands on the trunk and put your forehead against it, just giving thanks. It can be a really simple couple of minutes, or it could be an hour long sitting there with your notebook journaling, asking questions to the tree. To have some point of connection that you regularly over time create this relationship with is something of really helping us acknowledge how we're held up also being able to witness you know the seasons change from that place mm-hmm. um for me is where I feel a lot of inspiration comes and a sense of groundedness and connection with the local landscape that I live with and you know then you start to maybe get more 
become more aware of all those other beings that you share this place with and how you might be in service to your local community human and more than human um that there's something that's really asked of us to inhabit our home fully and to recognize that we are constantly in relationship with those beings around us so they would be my two suggestions yeah i love those i mean I'm absolutely obsessed by cycles the ones that are around us within us and all that interconnection between how everything works together but it is that reminder that everything changes and it's just might be uncomfortable like you know some people love winter some people love summer and you know it's like there's always times in our life that feel more comfortable and there's times where it's more uncomfortable but they change too and it's like that is I don't know I just think if we could really embrace I always think to myself like every question I always ask I always look to nature for the answer it's like that you know that change whether it's like looking for the the intelligence of nature or looking to a tree for some like intuitive guidance you know whatever it is I I always look to, I can't help it you know we are part of nature aren't we it's like we are the same thing yes we I live in a nice centrally heated house thank goodness on this chilly day but it doesn't stop us being integrally linked to the cycles around us and everything else how but how does nature communicate with you or how did you first cultivate that relationship with nature so that you could like you know rest your head on a tree and feel like you were being centered and grounded how did that progress over time for you well I was thinking actually about a tree that I was at my boarding school recently and acknowledging that this oak tree had probably been my first true sort of elder of the more than human world because I would often go there to cry that was I mean I was struggling at boarding school for various reasons and feeling like I needed an anchor point or an elder mm. to be with and I would go and sometimes I'd write in this journal sometimes I'd just go and be with them I might climb it and I think that started off as an understanding of where I can find solace in the natural world mm. and when I moved uh, to a place in Devon in my 20s to I was a volunteer at a meditation retreat for a year and I was thrust into the role of, of gardener having not really ever gardened and my grandfather is a farmer my mother's a farmer's daughter so I was calling them and asking them questions about how to sow the seeds and how to tend to these saplings and over that course of a year I was able to really be present with the changing phases of growth and in, in a garden and also be present on a land which prior to that I'd not really ever observed the seasons in that way <clears throat> and I think something of that sense of grounding enabled me to start to perceive things more deeply and I would there was a few trees there that I became friendly with just to sit with and enjoy some sense of what they brought me but it wasn't an intentional conversation at that point. Mm. But I was introduced to a yew tree um, I was undertaking a shamanic training and this yew tree at Compton Dundon near Glastonbury completely sparked something in me of, of the, the, the potential of relating with the tree kin. And so it was through marking these 13 moons of the Celtic lunar calendar, which each of the lunar cycles is connected with a different tree. So I intentionally observed that and worked each month with a different tree. And in that, just started to spend more time with them, learn more about their medicine, different properties they had. But also I'd gather some sticks and put them in water beside my bed to dream with them. And I would journal with them. 
and spend time sort of practicing the art of communication. Like how how do I receive mm. feedback or inspiration? I didn't hear, and I still don't have a sense of um, specific. It's not not audible, and it's not uh, visual. I don't see things. I suppose for me, it's more kinesthetic that I have a tone mm. that I'm aware of this tingling around my heart that's a yes if I feel a sort of contraction or a hardness it's a no and I do find journaling very helpful if I've gone with a question or asking for some some inspiration or guidance on a matter that I would come with an offering for the tree and I would spend some time with them in silence just dropping down into my body and feeling my roots merging with theirs and then ask the question and then journal, sort of free write, just see what comes in that space. Or I often find that I will put the question in and then over the next few days, there'll be sort of flashes of insight or inspiration that come unexpectedly. And so there's mysterious ways, I suppose, that we receive and communicate mm. with the trees particularly. Um, I do find things like journey with my drum very helpful to I guess drop out more of my sort of left brain and go into a deeper state of perception dance as well ways of sort of you know connecting more with the different waves of our mind so that we're listening from a different place um mm. if I'm visiting I often like to visit um sacred sites and particular burial cairns and sitting in the darkness there with the ancestors and I'll often arrive at a place and just ask like, how can I be in service to you like, what can I offer you today and then you're sort of just maybe I'll be drumming or singing and then there will be some kind of spontaneous idea to do this or that and I trust those threads I don't question them anymore I might have done at the beginning mm. but now I think the more that I explore those flashes of inspiration the more I feel they come and and trusting them even though they can sometimes feel a bit wild and <laughs> see where they take me <laughs> yeah and I, th I think that's a really um important part of anyone coming into connection in this kind of in this world is that the right phrase but that idea of trust isn't it because when like you say, some people want to hear a clear answer as clear as you and I are talking to each other right now. And, you know, for some people, they do get that clarity and that is how they receive the information. But for some people, it's more of, a, of a, just a, a slight knowing or, like you say, like that inspiration that maybe they hadn't quite associated with the journaling they had done a couple of days ago. But can you remember when you started trusting yourself hmm. to go, do you know what, I'm going to have It doesn't make sense, but I know it's the right answer. Hmm. Oh, was there a moment? I don't know if there was a moment. I think the time for me in the woods was, so I was there for two years mm. and I went there to be an apprentice to nature and through observing these seasonal and lunar cycles and being in closer relationship with the land, spending a lot of time on my own, I became more confident in myself around sort of, for instance, the way that I was holding ritual and ceremony because at first it very much felt like I was just making stuff up and it was sort of, is this okay? You know, is this actually disrespecting the sacred in some way? And, oh, I wish, you know, I grieved a lot for the lack of elders and tradition that I could lean into from these lands. Um, but I feel it's been a slow kind of cultivation. And don't get me wrong, there's still moments mm. when I, I do doubt myself. You know, writing a book, that was quite a journey of really 
exploring where there were places in me that still felt um, separate, that in some in some respect I was still not able to really receive that wisdom from the natural world or, or just recognise that I am completely woven with it. Um, so trust for me is something of a kind of continual fire that needs to be tended and, and kindled. And I feel the growth just of maturing as a woman as well, at really looking to those elder women who embody that sense of like, I am just trusting fully in what comes forth. I don't give a monkeys what anyone else thinks, like I'm in my power, speaking my truth. I think having those allies or sort of inspirations to, to look towards and see like this is how I wish to live my life. I'm not going to play small. Mm. I'm not going to silence myself or play out this sort of mm, story that I think for a lot of women, we've been cut off from this sort of sense of our power and our intuition. I really feel the need to be able to like lean into the, for instance, my womb space and, and ask, you know, ask for guidance or inspiration and, the more that we can cultivate that trust, the, the, the louder it becomes, I think, the more then they sort of mm. feel to share. So, yeah, I don't think there was, a, there was a moment. I think it's a continual fire to tend. And continues, because we do live in a world that tries to undermine our belief in ourselves, our, you know, the way that we see the world, all of it. It's like a constant, like, oh, back to myself, back to myself, back to myself. Yeah. I remember when I was very young first of all I remember looking up going there's no old people around me that inspire me I lived in a very small fishing village and I was like I can't really see it anyone that wants to that I want to be inspired by and then I also remember thinking when I was younger I was like I can't wait to get old I'm so excited about getting old because I'm like then I can have some I can own my wisdom you know it's like I feel like I deserve the wisdom and you were saying you like looking to your elders and I'm like at what age do we allow ourselves to become the wisdom keepers or the elders because you know a friend of mine I'm going to be 45 in January and she was just 45 recently she's like I feel so old I'm like god I feel so young <laughs> I'm like 45 feels like nothing and yet when I was 18 out clubbing people that there was two club doors you 18 you go in one door if you're 25 you could go through another door and 18 I was like why are 25 year olds still out surely that was you know he's, he's 25 <laughs> and still wants to go out clubbing that's so old <laughs> and then there I was um but now at 45 I'm like god it's so young mm. and I'm like oh, yeah I've got the gray hair you know I'm actually menopause um and it's just like when when do I go oh yeah actually I can claim that elder. There's, there's, obviously, there's there's always more to learn, isn't there? But it's like, when can we feel confident owning that wisdom? Because when mm -hmm. I look at you and everything that you've done and experienced, and you're like, going, oh, I want the elders. Yes, of course, there'll always be elders. But it's like, but you must be that for so many people too. That mm -hmm. person that maybe they wouldn't call you an elder because <laughs> obviously you're still very young. But you know, but elder in knowledge rather than age. Because let's face it, there's a lot of older people that maybe don't have that kind of wisdom yet. Um, but when will you allow yourself to claim that position and role? Well, there's a few things that come up in response to that. One is, I think, ceremony. I think a really lovely ceremony into elderhood mm. would serve well to sort of intentionally embrace that role. But then just thinking about, you know, the honouring of our different expressions for as women, 
I was speaking with a woman today who's I'm holding a ceremony for as a sort of she's about to become a mother for the first time and she wanted to intentionally acknowledge her maiden phase and and really let go of that grieve it and Mm. the motherhood and in doing we were talking about it and actually there's this part of me that felt well yes and we also have all these different facets within us all the time so often I write letters a lot as a way of accessing deeper mm, insights and I'll often Mm -hmm. write from my elder crone woman to myself now and so she's she is present with me and I know that there are times when I'm holding space or in ceremony when I feel an elder I feel that breadth of wisdom and the deep rootedness and that I can really trust in spirit to guide me but then there's times when yeah my younger inner girl comes up who's really scared and and doesn't know what to say and then my rageful teen who wants to go out and party (laughs) so there's something of acknowledging the many like the kaleidoscope of being that Mm. we always are um and being kind of playful with that that we sort of some days we put on this mask or step into those shoes some days we're really feeling it sometimes we have to pretend a little bit and then maybe that comes um but it is it's a funny thing I know I always wanted to be older when I was younger yeah and I still do I still feel like I can't yeah me too I'm like I love it I love getting old (laughs) the more gray hairs I get the more excited I am I'm like oh I'm getting there (laughs) <laughs> like I said, I'm yeah. not quite sure when I'm like, oh yeah, I'm old now. I'm not sure what age that happens. Maybe it never happens because there's always like people older, aren't you? Like <clears throat> when I was 18, 25 was ancient to me, and now I'm 45. I'm like, oh my god, I feel like a baby. You know, yeah. it's just like life's just beginning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went out dancing a few weeks ago to this incredible Afrobeat band, and I felt very old. Everyone there was sort of 18, <laughs> 19. <laughs> And it was a real shock. Like, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not that that person anymore. But actually, I've still got it, and I can still yeah. dance them under yeah. the tables. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what would um, kind of your wish be for? I don't know. Would humanity be too big? Because I know that mm. you very much feel very um, passionately about um, the reciprocal relationship with nature and not just like taking, 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 but like having, well, it's all about relationship, isn't it? By having that relationship with ourselves, with the world around us, with people. So what would, what would your wish be for people, for the world around us right now? Because we are in interesting times. Mm. Mm. My wish would come from us as humans fully honoring and embodying the seeds of our potential which I feel we've barely skimmed the surface of and that would look like the world that I imagine most of us could just about envisage when we feel like what would the most beautiful world look like that we can bestow upon our children and grandchildren and for me that is about coming together as community to honor our thresholds to be together in ceremony to be in relationship with life, with each other, with ourselves in a good way, and acknowledge that we have this short gift of life in this human form. How can we be in service and give thanks for this gift in the fullest possible way? That doesn't mean we need to be uh, avoiding what is uncomfortable, what is unpleasant or painful, that actually that somehow enriches and enables greater empathy and compassion to be cultivated so it's about embracing the fullness of our human experience and all that entails and I think my god we're going to need to over the next few years 
be able to hold more and bear witness to more that is uncomfortable and to do so with as much love that we really are these vessels of life and love and how can we hand over I suppose like surrender not completely the sense of like give over our will and our wishes and our dreams but that there's something in this collaboration that when we surrender in trust that we have something unique to offer this world that we're bringing some medicine and when we hand ourselves over in that way to be in service to and honor that which wishes to come through us then we can fully embody this potential and I really know, I can feel it in my bones and blood that, that that it is possible. I'm not somebody who has, I have grieved a lot of the way things are and what might be. But when I really listen in and I speak with the trees and my elders, there is a feeling of real hope and joy and this amazing like process that we are currently in of, mm. of a collective rite of passage that we chose to be born at this time and we're here with a purpose. And what is that? What am I here to bring? So there's something of, I suppose, however we feel that we can listen in and find out what these seeds of our potential might be. Like, what is it that brings you the most joy? When do you feel alive? When do you feel that your life has meaning? And do more of that, do more of those things and trust that that will start to reveal more of the beauty of who you are and, and what you're here to give. So tending to those seeds, particularly at winter in the Northern Hemisphere where we are now, for me, it's this time of incubating and really nurturing these seeds. So whether that's through you know vision board or journaling, but really starting to actively imagine like we don't use our imagination or value it nearly enough in our society. Mm. that we have this incredible tool that can help us to actually visual visualize or vision what the future might look like and really dream big like what could your day-to-day look like what could your community look like what could the whole earth and beyond feel like like how does it how do you imagine that in in its most beautiful harmonious way um so really working with that idea of the seeds of potential and this time of actively dreaming and creating the world that we collectively wish to see. And what does that look like for you? Mm. What are the next things you're being called? I mean, obviously you can say, actually, I'm still incubating. It's winter, Rebecca. That's that's <laughs> a very good question. You know, that's a very good answer. But mm-hmm. is, if there, if you felt in a place where you could share, because they were maybe a little bit bigger than seeds, what mm. does that look like for you, for you to step into your full potential? Mm. So I've actually just announced yesterday on, on social media that I'm taking January away from outer work to attend mm. inner work. And for me, the thread that's been calling, and it's a quite an edgy one for me, is, is more around the bard. And so I feel to write music, to write poetry, to learn story, nice. to make some fantastic costumes, headdresses. I don't know. There's sort of a some kind of yeah mad performance that involves sort of um, immersive ritual, sacred soundscapes, journeys through sites in nature where people can really touch upon and experience the sacred and mm. activate these seeds of, of memory. So that's something I've sort of, I've been tending a while, but I'm really putting my energy into. Um, and with 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 what, what it can be going forward, it's something I've, 
been the last few months trying to sit with how me as one person now that my work has grown really since my book was released that I'm I suppose struggling to find the best way to make good use of my time and serve as many people as possible so I am looking at different ways of doing that which are still in the incubation phase Mm. but there, (laughs) there are feelings around I suppose how to get to more people and do so in in a way that feels you know in integrity and mm. in a way that can really meet people where they are um so yes i can't say too much about that but there's something brewing in Ooh, exciting yeah i okay, go back to what we can talk about um, <laughs> is i love that you are coming into like music and storytelling mm. um like you said like that bard energy um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was talking about singing and I was like, "It's she's a singer. And I'm like, it's so important because often music gives words to people that they did they knew they needed, but they didn't know how to express something. It connects them into that thing that's bigger than themselves or like, oh my God, that's exactly how I felt. But I didn't have the words for it. It's like song is so powerful. It can help us move through things. It can, you know, it can bring closure for us. It can activate things with us. It can make us feel less alone so that just of course this is where you're going next in your work it just feels so perfect but the idea of storytelling as well Mm. that is the old ways isn't it of with story we teach we use story to teach to inspire to um you know motivate people to warn people even you know it's just like it's there and it's a very accessible way I mean look at people how much we love films and like Netflix things is there anything about story but I love that because it feels like bringing like air quotes the old ways back and reimagining old ways but for modern times really mm-hmm. and so oh, I'm excited to see <laughs> what you bring there because I think as humans we are storytellers it's what we do but we've just kind of got used to other people telling us the stories instead of us adding to the story or reimagining the stories Mm. so yeah that's exciting Mm. um so tell us where can people find you to connect with you and stay up to date with stories and magic that you're weaving during january and all of the goodness that is Mm. you where can people where's the best place for people to find you obviously everything will be in the show notes anyway but where's the best place to connect with you I'm most frequently found on Instagram. So I do post quite regularly on there and that's Isla J. McLeod. So I share lots of pictures and poetry and words and inspiration for a more soulful life. And then on my website, which is islamcloud.com, you can find in-person events which are held in Somerset. And you can sign up to my newsletter, which I send out sort of about once a month, little suggestions for ritual and thoughts on the seasonal tide that we're in. And I am available in Somerset. I live in Bruton um, for one-to-one work. And also I do remote sessions for people, whether that's supporting them with creating ritual, holding ceremonies for them, as well as some mentoring and one-to-one healing sessions. So they're probably the best ways. That's right. And your book, Rituals for Life, is now available Amazon and all good places? Yes, all good places. It's now available <laughs> in the US as well. It's across across the pond as well. And um, yeah, it's available on most online stores and I know it's in Waterstones. Um, yeah, so it's out there. 
it's out there, all the goodness. So thank you so much for joining us today. I've, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you about all of the good stuff. And I love that you're so obsessed by yew trees too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> or rather, sorry, called by yew trees. Because I'm like, they are, don't they? The, they call you. There's oh. definitely, there's definitely, there's no, I think I was jokes like when they start calling you, there's no escape then. That's it. Nope. They've got their clutches. <laughs> with love is. people with love. <laughs> <laughs> it was an obsession though. It did feel like I was completely taken over by their spirit and I don't think it'll ever leave me. Yeah, there is. They are beautiful to work with. I said once like, oh, they called and they don't let go. And someone said, what I've just re- released like a dogmatic religion that won't let go of you, and I'm like, oh no, no, not that kind of won't <laughs> let go. This is like a really loving. It's like, oh, she's going to talk to us. I've got all the messages for her now. <laughs> she's listening. Let me give you more. So yeah, brilliant. Thank you for sharing, and good luck with everything that's coming your way. And enjoy your January quietness. Thank, so, you. thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely speaking with you about all these subjects that I love to share. So thank you. <laughs>